You want the facts? We want to share them with you. Together, we'll boldly unpack the deeper truths inside the real estate industry's most relevant issues. This is Getting Real with Rob. Here's your host, Rob Namfeld. Hello, and welcome to Getting Real with Rob, where today's special guest is Douglas Welton, the chair of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Planning Commission and chief product officer at Einstein's Legacy. Douglas, welcome. Uh, Welcome to me, too. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) Well, as is our custom, we we are going to go ahead and start with the lightning round first, kind of soften things up a little bit, and then we'll get to the meatier discussion after that. Give it to me. You ready to go? Okay. Douglas, what is your favorite food? I don't really have a favorite food, but then again, there's pecan pie with chocolate chips in it. Any special place you like that mm, from? In my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> the next question. What famous person do you wish you could meet? I don't like, I don't, I don't want to meet famous people. I want to meet interesting people. And I guess I will go with John McWhorter is a, an interesting person I'd like to meet. Mm, quick reason why. Uh, he. It, I love the way he takes apart linguistics and makes it interesting. And I also am very much uh, in sync with a lot of what he believes in terms of, of current culture and how people are dealing with uh, diversity issues. Okay. All right. Um, Stairs or elevator? What do you prefer? Stairs most of the time under four floors. Okay. That's that's an interesting cutoff. Any reason for that? Just winded after four? Pooped. Totally. Okay. Okay. Uh, Do you like music really loud and blasting or do you prefer it in a quiet, quiet when you're working in in a room? Um, Generally quiet at the right volume. Too loud is, is, is bad. Too soft. You're going like, Hey, I can't hear this. So you got to get just the right volume for me. Any particular genre or artist that's your favorite? Or no. among top 10? No, man, I worked in radio for a long time. So I literally have thousands of records that have gone into my head. Uh, people I like right now, there's a band from Canada called Wild Rivers that I particularly appreciate. Uh, Irish artist Dermot Kennedy, Ken, Dermot Kennedy. Those are people that have been listening to a lot lately. Okay. Okay. Um, now, are you a movie buff or do you prefer documentaries? Um I will go with movies on independent film, although I find a lot of YouTube videos very interesting and they're much shorter. So you can like the B1M is this great video about building stuff, but it's like seven minutes long. That's not a movie or a documentary. Okay. Yeah. My six year old likes to watch that one where they squish stuff. On the pavement with the car tire? Have you seen that one? Uh, no. Your six-year-old is obviously more mature than I am. <laughs> okay. We might get into that if we have time. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get into the, let's get into the, the tough stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about your uh, professional life, and then we'll talk a little about planning commission. Um, okay. So what's, what's the genesis? This is going to be a couple-part question, okay? So mm-hmm. hear me out. What's the genesis for the naming of your company, Einstein's mm-hmm. Legacy? Um, and, and politics and policy are pretty interesting arena for somebody who deals in software development and integration. Okay. What kind of led you from what you're doing to, to kind of your work on planning commission? Tell, tell us a little bit about your company. Okay. Einstein's legacy was the name of a book that came out, uh, scientific American published it in the, in the seventies. And I always liked that title. And so when it came time to put Einstein's legacy, the first time I rolled it up, which was in the nineties, I use the title and this is the the name of the company technically is Einstein's Legacy V2.0. And so this was the second Einstein's Legacy that I stood up 
probably in 2003, I think, was when, when we stood that company up. And um, make software for Macintoshes. Make software for Macintoshes for people who edit video and media and who need to manage that video and media. Uh, so that's the genesis of the company. I went to Clemson. I have a computer science degree. I was 14. I was in the bathroom on a Friday. I decided I was going to program computers for the rest of my life. When you were 14? When I was 14. Wow. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people don't make the decision. I made the decision. And, and in, in the era, that was, it was a good decision. And I, I've never regretted that or wanted to do anything else. Now, when I talk about being a computer scientist, I talk about making machines that have no physical parts. And that's all software is. And I've used that and I've, I've done theater, a lot of theater. And I tell people the same thing. Theater is making machines with no moving parts, no physical parts, excuse mm -hmm. me. And so that leads me to have an opinion about everything because I can solve all problems. <laughs> okay. All right. It's, it's pretty straightforward. How this all got related to policy and the planning commission is that in general, I have an opinion about everything. Um, my neighborhood has things that they have to have opinions about. And so I got involved with my neighborhood and be, uh, eventually became the president of, of the neighborhood association of Madison park and did that for a number of years. And during that time, we had a number of rezonings that were filed in our neighborhood. And I was out and about usually the only neighborhood person out there saying, Hey, but what if you do this? And that gave me some visibility in terms of the community. And so uh, John Friday was the chairman of the planning commission mm -hmm. at that time. And John asked me if I was interested. He asked for some names and mine came up. He asked me if I was interested in doing it. And so I thought, yeah, this is good. Cause I can you know, have some kind of say positive impact on how the city unfolds. Okay. Um, and John Friday, he's, the, he's from Dilworth, right? John no. Friday lives in Dilworth. Okay. Right across the street from us. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> kind of, sort of. Um, <clears throat> so on your about me page, and I want to, I'm going to read this so I get this right. It says, when we walk on the edge of all the light we have and take a step into the darkness of the unknown, we must believe that one of two things will happen. There will be something solid for us to stand on, or we will ta be taught to fly. Can you expand on this a little bit? I, the reason this sort of resonates, I, I watched Oppenheimer with my wife over the weekend, mm -hmm. um, which I don't know why I waited so long to do that, but incredible three hours. Um, mm -hmm. But but anyway, go go ahead and answer the question. Yeah, I, 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 I probably ran into that quote, and if I recall correctly, it was probably 1992, and just doing some personal growth work and, and personal development. And I am, I'm a great believer in innovation. I'm a great believer in that wherever we are now, we can go to wherever we want to be, but we have to push beyond the boundaries of the things that we believe. And so sometimes there are places where we get to, it's like, we don't know what's next. Not in life, in business, whatever. We just don't know what's next. The thing we do know is that there can be a next. And so if you step beyond the boundaries of what you know, the light that you have to see, you'll find the next. And you know what? It's going to be something solid. That would be good, right? Mm -hmm. We step into the darkness, we like something solid. If not, you got to believe that you're going to be taught to fly. And it's not like you're going to fall to the bottom of the crater. Oh, mm -hmm. the bottom of the crater is just like stepping on solid ground. 
if you're taught to fly, you'll learn something new. And that's the essence of what I take away from that quote. So let's, because of your, your, your role in planning, let's talk about how this relates to the, to the UDO, Unified Development Ordinance. Okay. Um, was passed a couple years ago, has been in place since June 1st of this year. Um, and there are a lot of things that were contemplated in the lab, if you will, on mm-hmm. a two-dimensional surface, um, which now in the real world, now that we've had six, seven, eight months almost yeah. to see how it works, it, there's some surprises. There are some, some differences um, coming yeah. out. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and kind of some of the stuff that you've seen come through planning? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the UDO was never a silver bullet. I, the way I like to phrase it is the UDO is not an immutable, dollar, an immutable document of knowledge. It is very mutable. It is the rules as we have put them on paper right now. Did we get them all right? Maybe, maybe not. Will they be tested in, over time? Yes, there, there will, they will be. I invite anybody that's out there using the rules to push them as hard as they possibly can push them to find out where the limits are. In terms of being creative? To be creative, to innovate, to break the thing if they can. Because in breaking it, we'll find what works well. The things that work well are easy to identify. It's like everybody has smiles on their faces when they come into the development office. If If it's something that really works well, when you get people that have a little bit of a tight sphincter because you bring up a subject, then that's the part that we need to change and we need to see if that works. And I, we're never, if everybody plays it safe in doing their development here in Charlotte, we're going to get exactly what we've always had. And, you know, there's something about doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Mm -hmm, The insanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want that. I want everybody to test the edges of this thing and see what's out there and see what's possible. Because honestly, I'm not a real estate developer. But, you know, there seems to be a certain bandwidth that developers are, are willing to take a risk on. Mm-hmm. And when you get outside of that, you can produce some great stuff, but not a lot of people want to step outside of that. And when those people step outside that, we'll get better stuff for this city. So, so what do we do to, because uh, I agree with you. I think I, I love the idea of innovation. One of our recent guests, Jason Sane, was talking about how he he lives and breathes innovation and wants to tie it into kind of what he does when in budget writing for the, for the state. Um, what do we do to get some of the, the big, some of the, one of the biggest challenges is neighborhood existing neighborhood groups. And when you, when you invoke some sort of change that's adjacent or nearby, people freak out and, yes, and that pushes city council to make decisions that aren't always in the best interest of the long run. What's, do you have any ideas on how to sort of bridge that gap, that public private gap in terms of understanding? <laughs> He's smiling. Yeah, I, I'm He's smiling. smiling you know, it's like, there's the, we can't beam them up to another planet. Can we, <laughs> we can't shame them by saying, you know, character is just code for NIMBY. Uh-huh. We can't say those things, but you know, other people do. It becomes one of the things I'm doing with the planning commission this year is I'm going out to neighborhoods. I'm talking to everybody I can possibly talk to. And if anybody wants to talk to me and they hear this podcast, call me, drop me an email, whatever. I'll come talk to your neighborhood. 
But I'm going out because people oftentimes have a reaction and want to maintain their charm because something's coming in, their hair's on fire, but they don't know what's coming in. They just are against something that's new. As I've gone out and talked to neighborhoods, last week I was talking to the folks down at Steel Creek and I told them very clearly, you know what? I want you all to understand this process before you see the yellow sign with a blue Z on it. Because if you understand the process, you're less likely to just have an, whoa, I don't want to do this crap reaction. Mm -hmm. And by having more information out there in the public, and I wish, I wish we could all go out and give everybody a class on how to be a good citizen. Um, that, you know, the death of citizenship in America is not something that I'm introducing as the, a brand new idea. It's just what it is. And we have people that, yes, they, it's like, I just don't want it. That's not a reaction that's valid. As the zoning commu committee chair, what we do in that zoning committee is we've got to have valid reasons for believing one way or another about a zoning. And we have to be able to do that consistently on a on a month to month basis and to do it, you know, the same way so that, you know, one part of town is not treated any different than the other a set of entitlements is a set of entitlements, no matter where it is. So. Well, what what kind of role then? I know staff has a role, but as you as chair and other members of the of the board and the commission, what role can you play in sort of arming the elected officials with some guts, I guess, to push back when things, things are maybe seem difficult to the, to the neighbors at the time, but they just don't understand that big picture. What, yeah. Are there any well, I mean, solutions one, of, that? one of the things that we tried this year, and I've, I've said this since I took over the chair seat in, in July, I wanted the planning commission to have a greater influence on the, um, the council members, on the neighborhoods and on the staff. And so one of the things that we did just last week was we worked with the Urban Land Institute to do their urban plan for public officials workshop. And we did that. And I invited everybody on city council to come, everybody on county commission to come, everybody on the school board to come, because all three of those organizations appoint people to the planning commission. And what I wanted was to have all those people in the same room so you can see the trade-offs that go into development. That's a great idea. It, I'm very, very pleased in how it worked out. I'm very thankful to the folks at ULI. I'm very thankful to the planning commissioners that came. We had two city council people. We had two county commissioners. I won't point a finger at school board, but <laughs> let's just say their number was zero. Um, and therein lies the rub because everybody's in their silo. And until all those folks get together and understand that if the school board sells a school, the county approves the sale of that school and the city council does not approve the rezoning that the money that the county or that the school board would have received to do things with in an unrestricted way never arrives. They're silos. Let's knock them down. Mm -hmm. And until people stand up and say, whoa, let's do this. Business as usual. Hmm. Um. In terms of others that you're you're serving with uh, in planning, I know that there have been some new additions in the last couple of years. Uh, what, can you tell us a little bit about some of their backgrounds, some of their strengths, maybe um, yeah. that they they bring that, that's new? We we have we have wonderful folks on the commission in terms of working with subject matter experts, and there's great depth there. Uh, for instance, Commissioner Will Russell, who is uh, uh, works as a construction manager for affordable housing. 
Mm-hmm. So we can talk about that and Will can bring the, the, the visibility of constraints that, that happen there. We have folks, folks that work in commercial real estate and real estate development like Andrew Blumenthal and Aaron Shaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they bring that perspective of, well, let's build a big old something or let's sell a big old something. We have community um, neighborhood kind of folks that are community uh, oriented like Melissa Gaston and RJ Harvey, who help us keep our finger on the pulse of what the neighborhoods have to say and the value of what the neighborhoods have to say. We have commercial, well, we have residential real estate folks like uh, Shauna Neely and um, Teresa McDonald, Mm -hmm. both providing that basic notion of we're selling houses. Okay. People want to buy things. The market's tight. We understand that. We have folks like uh, Commissioner uh, Lansdale, who is the executive director of Bike Walk North Carolina. So let's take a look at what pedestrian safety or multimodal transit is all about. And I'm hoping I'm not leaving out anybody. <laughs> that was always the, the risk, yeah, wasn't oh, it? <laughs> you know, all is good. I was like, man, he's taking them off and really well. <laughs> I, I, I will go back to, uh, there are a couple of that I forgot. Uh, uh-huh. uh, Commissioner Winokur. Uh-huh. Rick is a, a, a criminal defense lawyer. And I always say, if you allegedly commit murder, Rick will be the person you need to call because it's alleged. We also have <laughs> noise. It's, it's alleged until, you know, uh, um, we have Commissioner Clayton Seeley and Clayton runs CLT development, the the media that's behind that. And, yep. and anybody that's on Twitter, uh, Instagram. Or X. Yeah. Oh, so, sorry. That's okay. Formerly known as Twitter. I, it's an unpronounceable symbol now. I, I know. Heard. Formerly um, known as Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It's like the but, Prince thing. Yeah. yeah. Clayton <clears throat> is, uh, I, I, he has more energy than God and he's out there somewhere looking at some plans. All the time. All the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've got to give him credit for that because that's, that's a wonderful addition to Charlotte as a community, having him there and, and poking and prodding. And so I think I wiped out everybody there. Yeah, I think that's pretty. Yeah, I think you're pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, we are they're all they're all subject matter experts that provide lots of wonderful subject matter expertise and they're passionate. When we started the zoning committee this year, we got everybody kind of up to speed. Here are the things you need to consider here. You don't. We had the first meeting We had technical difficulties, but we had to change rooms and we go upstairs and I look over and Becca has a spreadsheet with all of her questions and all of her issues with each of the planning, you know, the petitions that are in front of us. And I'm like, you all prepared for this. This is great. (laughs) And everybody asks great questions and digs deep. So, you know, it's not, we're not just sitting there playing rubber stamp. We're, we're, we're going to dig. And so that's, I'm, I'm, I could be no more proud of anything than this planning commission is is a wonderful set of people who work with. That's great. That's solid. Well, you're, you love innovation. You know your, your commission well. You know where you've been and kind of where you want to go. What so far has been your biggest aha moment in all of this, maybe say in the last 10 to 15 years? Um, the other part of me, I, f- I found out last couple of weekends ago that I may be an accelerationist. All right. And okay. this I did not know this. Can you define, can you define it for our listeners Yeah, and, and, it, and your questioner? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently um, an accelerationist is a person who believes that technology is a solution to almost all modern problems and is a, a no holes barred capitalist. 
Okay. And this comes from a book by uh, Roger Zelazny in 1968. Yeah. Like I didn't read this book either, but apparently he, I am going to now though. (laughs) He put this out as a philosophy. I think the book is called love of life or something like that, but 1968, Robert Zelazny and accelerationists are those people who believe that you can solve the world's problems today by simply letting the market do what the market does. And big fan of that, by the way, yeah, uh, and, and you uh, apply technology to come up with the solution. Now, how does that what's the surprise? The surprise is that there are so many people in this um, in the situation of planning, urban planning and development here in Charlotte that believe that they have a solution that will moderate some aspect of the market. And they're very ardent about moderating that particular aspect of the market. And they believe that there will be no unintended consequences that result from whatever they believe is going to moderate the market. And um, that is a challenge because I believe the market figures it all out for you. Mm -hmm. And when you try and tame the market, the market says, whoa, wait a minute, let me show you something. And when the market does that, sometimes you get a bad result out of the flip side that you just didn't, if you'd done nothing at all, you'd, you'd be just perfectly fine. I, you look at um, the one whipping boy for me right now is the city of Berlin in Germany uh, because they had real crisis with um, housing, affordability, empty houses. And so they put in place, and I believe it was two aspects, they put in place a tax on empty housing or empty rental properties and mm-hmm. things of that nature. And I can't remember the other aspect. There are two aspects to it. But the flip side that came out was that last year, I believe the rental prices went up 14% in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Because when we try and do these things to the market, all of a sudden, the landlords make different decisions in that market space. And why be a landlord if you're going to be taxed because you have an empty property when you could just sell the property and get out of the game? Right. So, you know unintended consequences, uh, those things come, come back to haunt you sometimes. So uh, in terms of our, our membership and some of the folks that may be listening, whether they're a realtor or member of the HBA or NAOP or anybody involved in real estate in the Charlotte region, what would you say uh, to them in terms of their uh, ability or means to get involved in the process? Like what, what's a good, what's a good way to give them a aha moment to, to get engaged um, so that we're not always reactive. We're on the proactive side. Yeah. First thing I would invite anybody and everybody to come to a planning commission meeting. If you like, we meet the second Monday of every month from 12 to uh, two uh, room two sixty seven in the government center. It's up on the second floor. Um, That is one way to get involved. I'd recommend that they reach out to you and get involved with, with what Rebic has to do Mm -hmm. here in the city and how, how you all advocate for particular point of view and, or other organizations like yours, Mm -hmm. because there are other organizations, Mm -hmm. you know, be on the forefront in terms of, of speaking out. I'd also recommend that everybody take a step outside of their comfort zone, find some project little or big that just pushes the edge of what Charlotte has to been doing for the last umpteen years Mm -hmm. and give us something new to think about. Um, Because then a a discussion that comes out of that will help everybody. Uh, You know, I was on the phone this morning and I have have a friend and he, 
he rents his house out to a bunch of people, five or six of them. Mm-hmm. And the question is, is a 20 bedroom house, a single family house? I don't know the answer to this question. Okay. And, and, and could it go in N1A? <laughs> okay. Oh, or man. what? Rabbit hole. Here we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the, the issue is, cause this is, you know, I, I build a 20 bedroom house right next to a university. I'd rent out each room to a student. All right. Mm-hmm. Is it a house? Is it an apartment? What does it qualify as? And how many of those co-housing places do we see here in Charlotte? In South End, if you built a building and put 100 people in it, put a kitchen on every floor, put 10 people on a floor, and had shared bathrooms and shared kitchen, is it an apartment building? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And how... How much more would it cost to do that than just throwing up a five over one? Or is it less expensive than throwing up a five over one? (laughs) Could we do it? Let's ask questions. Let us not sit around and just take the world as it is. Let's take the world as it is and shake the hell out of it. Well, I, I love, I love that. And that, that could be our parting words, <laughs> um, but I always, I want to give you a chance. Is there anything that we didn't cover today that, uh, uh, that, that you'd like to, before we sign off? You know, Rob, I, I thank you very much for the opportunity to come over and hang out. Um, I think you and I probably have a lot of things that we think about in the same way. Mm-hmm. Charlotte's a dynamic place. It, it, it's very obvious that the city's going to continue growing. It's a question of how do we grow? And where's the vision for how we grow? And that may be a question mark that we need to fill in. We have a plan, but nobody remembers Martin Luther King's I have a plan speech. They remember I have a dream speech. And so <laughs> we well need said. some somebody to say, here's a vision of what I see Charlotte being. And maybe I'm working on something like that, but I hope other people are too. Well, we'll leave it at that. Douglas, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Rob. And thank you for getting real with Rob. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Getting Real with Rob. This podcast is produced by the Real Estate Industry and Building Coalition in Charlotte, North Carolina. Learn more about us at rebic.com. That's R-E-B-I-C.com. We'll talk to you next time.